Anyone know what that is? That's music to my ears. That's another sale on Shopify, the all-in-one commerce platform to start, run, and grow your business. Shopify makes it simple to sell to anyone from anywhere. Whether you're selling shirts or sandals, start selling with Shopify and join the platform simplifying commerce for millions of businesses worldwide. With Shopify, you'll customize your online store to your brand, discover new customers, and build relationships that will keep them coming back. Shopify covers all the sales channels to successfully grow your business, from an in-person POS system to an all-in-one e-commerce platform, even across social media platforms like TikTok, Facebook, and Instagram. And thanks to 24-7 support and free on-demand business courses, Shopify is here to help you succeed every step of the way. It's how every minute, new sellers around the world make their first sale with Shopify. And you can do it too. I love how Shopify makes it simple for anyone to sell their products anywhere. Whether they're eBooks or earrings, Shopify simplifies starting and running your own successful business. When you're ready to take your idea to the world, do it with Shopify, the commerce platform powering millions of businesses down the street and around the globe. Now it's your turn to try Shopify for free and start selling anywhere. So sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash c-suite, all lowercase on c-suite. Go to shopify.com slash c-suite, all lowercase on c-suite, to start selling online today. Shopify.com slash c-suite. You're listening to Thinking Outside the Bud, where we speak with entrepreneurs, investors, thought leaders, researchers, advocates, and policymakers who are finding new and exciting ways for cannabis to positively impact business, society, and culture. And now, here is your host, business coach, Bruce Eckfeldt. Welcome, everyone. This is Thinking Outside the Bud. I'm Bruce Eckfeldt. I'm your host. And our guest today is Dean Harris, who is co-founder and CMO of Tab Brands. And we're going to talk a little bit about what they're doing in the cannabis space. We're going to hear about his background in advertising and learn a little bit what they're doing with THCA and some of the other products. As always, it's always fun to kind of have new and different people on here. Dean, welcome to the program. It's really a pleasure to have you. Thank you, Bruce. I, I appreciate your having me on. Yeah. So I always like to start with just kind of hearing people's backgrounds. What's your story? Um, you know, I know that you were in advertising before. Connect the dots for us. Tell us how you got from sort of the advertising world to uh, cannabis. Sure. Well, this works for me because I am a storytelling CMO. Excellent. But I'm actually a third generation marketer, which is interesting because marketing's probably only had four generations since it was yeah. was formalized in the late 1800s. My grandfather started an advertising agency in Manhattan in 1922. My father ran a direct marketing agency, and I've been in marketing and advertising for my entire career. So I, after business school, I started working on packaged goods, fairly traditional route, did detergent, mm -hmm. disposable diapers, and then started an advertising agency in Manhattan. Did that for, for a period of time. And then in the late 90s, got recruited to be part of the whole internet explosion revolution. So I was lucky enough to be at a few brands that started small and, and ended big. Yeah. They all went public, actually. So, awesome. I, and they were in, in varying categories. I did uh, hot jobs, 
I did Vonage, the phone company, and yeah. I did Kayak, the travel search site. Yeah. So my background has been branding. Mm-hmm. Um, I really enjoy taking large categories and, and making a big impact. Mm-hmm. And I hope to do the same thing in, in the cannabis space. So when did cannabis first come up for you? I mean, it's it's a uh, uh, you know it's, sure. a, it's, it's a unique it's a, sector. So it's a circuitous story. I mean, yeah. after years of no physical activity, I started at working out with a personal trainer, mm-hmm. and um, he had invented this product that was geared to the protein supplement market. It was basically a a better way to get protein supplements. And it was a, it was and is an effervescent tablet. So after helping him with that product and helping him secure a secure a patent, Mm -hmm. we discovered that what we really had was was not a way of delivering protein better, but a way of delivering a variety of things better. And and cannabis just jumped out at us. So so our product, which is called Tab Relief, Mm -hmm. is a is an effervescent cannabis cannabis tablet. And essentially, it's a very small tablet. It's about the size of a Benadryl. Okay. And it you can place it in any liquid, hot or cold, and it takes on the flavor characteristics of the, that liquid, okay. or, or we have flavors. But it's a it's a really interesting way of um, of delivering delivering protein. And then beyond that, we decided that after looking at the market, we decided that that within the context of, of our team and our advisors and the market, we wanted to become a, a serious professional medical brand. We thought that the, the medical cannabis space had yep. huge had huge huge opportunities and in fact also aligned with the goals of a lot of the, our investors and advisors. So that's what we're doing. We're building a serious professional medical cannabis brand with an emphasis on brand. Excellent. And so you're focusing on the medical side. How do you approach the kind of the positioning and and the strategy around the marketing? That's what I've done for my entire career. So one of the reasons to me this represents such a such a great opportunity is that when you look at the, the medical cannabis space, it's a seven billion dollar category with essentially no brands. Yeah. I mean, there are some, but most cannabis brands are dual use, both for medical mm-hmm. and for recreational. And, and it's our contention that owning the narrative for medical cannabis is possible and building a real solid brand in the space is is the huge opportunity. Mm-hmm. Um so that's that's exactly what we're doing. So, and I think that's uh, it's interesting because I think a lot of the struggles, certainly, you know, when I work with kind of earlier stage businesses and they're in this kind of growth mode, it's easy to get caught in into the kind of the pattern of chasing money. You know, anything that's shiny that might have revenue associated with it, you go after. I mean, it sounds like you've made a really kind of firm, hard decision to say, look, we're just going to focus on medical. We're not going to focus on the recreational yes. side. It was that hard. It wasn't hard at all, at all, because as a marketer and a brander, it's important to take a position and take something that you know, present a, a brand or a product in a way that people can understand with benefits that are clear and, and understandable. And our sense is that if somebody is serious about using medical cannabis, they'd like a brand that that speaks to their needs, not one that that says. Oh, gee, you can, you know, you can get really high. Oh, and by the way, you can use it for medical purposes as well. So and the more and more I've I've learned about the medical cannabis space, it feels great to be able to to do a lot of good. I mean, medical cannabis is, as you know, is used for any variety of, of conditions, diseases and so forth. And the more and more folks you talk to in the space, everybody has a story where they've tried other things, typically prescribed medications, yeah. doesn't work for one reason or another, and then they try medical cannabis. Yeah. So we feel like we have an enormous market opportunity. Yeah. It's really impressive, I think, how how much you focus, because I think that is, it's not easy. And I think a lot of companies kind of get caught in or struggle with that decision, with deciding on which segment yeah. of the market they're going to go after. Well, it, I mean, if, if you think about it, Bruce, I mean, brands that have made it 
tend to focus on on one or two true, defensible, important benefits. Yeah. I mean, and think of, of pretty much any product category. Even though products can deliver a variety of benefits, they tend to get remembered and used if they focus on one. Again, this is such a gigantic space. I mean, for example, medical cannabis is about the same size space as disposable diapers. I mean, yeah. not, not something I've, I've worried about for a while, <laughs> although I did, I did do a disposable diaper brand back in the day. But, but anyway, think about a disposable diaper brand with absolutely no position. I mean, and you're talking about loves and pampers and yep. huggies, and they all have have staked out positions in the marketplace. Yeah. So as a you know as a marketer and a brander by training, it seems quite logical. Yeah, I always think of when I think of branding and positioning, I always think of the taste great, less filling. You know, it's like the the whole yeah, they're really yeah. taking they, the position. They try to straddle things. Yeah. Well, I mean, here, you know, here's a, here's another way that you might want to look at a brand. I know that you are in the New York area, mm-hmm. so take a place like Grand Central Station. You know, which has got roughly 700,000 people pass through every day, yeah. more people than the state of Wyoming. Yeah. If you're in Grand Central Station and you're on one side of the station, you can look across the station and see somebody that you know on the other side. There could be 5,000 people in the yeah. you know in that room, but you notice that one person and that is similar to branding. I mean, it, it's that sort of familiarity. And beyond that, that sort of understanding that you, that you have not only yeah. familiarity, but a a visceral reason to to like or or understand that person. Yeah. So branding is is I think crucial in this space and and um, we're happy to be doing it. Yeah. So if I'm if I'm a earlier stage entrepreneur, I'm I've, I have a product or a service in this cannabis space and I'm trying to figure this out. I mean, what's the process or what advice would you give to folks thinking about branding? Cuz I th- I think this is probably one of the bigger issues in the cannabis space right now is is really zeroing <clears throat> out. Sure. Well, I mean, I'm approaching this as I have every yeah. brand. My and my training, as I said, was in packaged goods. Originally, was on Procter and Gamble. Mm-hmm. So the first thing I did is I wrote a communication strategy, a Procter and Gamble style communication strategy that would mimic the strategies that Procter writes for, you know, for Tide or mm-hmm. for or for Pampers or any of their large products. Yep. And then we tested out that product on on consumers. So we have to be very careful about what we stand for, what yeah. we don't stand for, what we want to emphasize what our tonality is, how the, the matter in which we want to to describe our brand. Yeah. So I would recommend that for anybody in the space. It, it It's only going to make the brand look bigger and more important, and it's going to make the brand be more understandable, both with the consumer audience and a business partnership audience. Yeah. Talk to me about the, the testing part of it, because I think that's, you know, I, I come out of the sort of the lean, agile space, and, you know, testing is huge and getting customer feedback and validation. How, sure. practically, how did you go about testing this? It's, a, it's an sure. interesting market. One, one of the things that we've done that I think is perhaps unusual for the space is that we have conducted consumer focus groups. So our first market for our product, which is called Tab Relief, is going to be California. So we did consumer focus groups in in two of the major markets in California, in Los Angeles and San Francisco, mm-hmm. among consumers that, that bought and used cannabis regularly. Mm-hmm. Um, these were both recreational users and and medicinal users. Mm-hmm. And we tried to get a we tried to get a sense of how they perceived our product, how they perceived the marketplace. We came to them with some preliminary package ideas. 
And this is, again, this is the sort of thing that a, that a, a larger, more sophisticated company would use. I'm not certain as to whether we were the first cannabis company ever to hold focus groups, but we certainly were the first in these facilities. Yeah. And the results were, were enlightening. Yeah. I'm not saying they were, they were entirely predictive. Yeah. But they were they were clearly informative. Yeah. And it was encouraging because I, I felt like we were really onto something. Even folks that that used cannabis primarily for recreational means and in many cases every day had many occasions where they would want to use cannabis for health and wellness conditions, for in effect medical like conditions. Yep. So you know, so my argument would be if, if somebody comes home after work and they use cannabis to eliminate stress or because they've got anxiety. Mm-hmm. Is that a is that a recreational re- reason or a medicinal reason? Yeah. I mean, I would argue it's it's just as medicinal as recreational. Yeah, I agree. How how have you seen the kind of the on the medical side, particularly the whole relationship with doctors and the dispensaries and the prescribing process? Like, how are you kind of navigating this this kind of industry as it sorts out how products get into hands of patients, essentially? Sure. And, and the relationship with doctors, because I think that's sure. still, for me, it's still kind of unclear, and it seems like it's a yes. very dynamic yeah. situation. Yeah, I mean, that's actually a great question. But I think we're approaching it a little bit differently than some folks. Mm-hmm. We are going to have distribution among dispensaries. It's troubling to me that there are some folks in dispensaries that are, that are in effect, offering medical opinions or yeah, medical exactly. advice without a medical background. Yeah. So part of our strategy is to go to what we're calling institutional clients or institutional customers. Mm -hmm. And these are places where cannabis users can be aggregated. There typically is some form of medical supervision. And we then can sell through the institution rather than sell to consumers on an individual basis. So I'll I'll give you some examples. Yeah, what's an example? Sure. Here are three that I I think are are interesting. We are targeting assisted living centers. So we're targeting seniors, 65 plus. And in senior centers, Typically, the the patients or the or the residents have issues with things like pain, mm-hmm. inflammation, and many uh, cases appetite issues. Yeah, and medical cannabis helps all of those things. Yeah, um, and then many of these assisted living facilities also have memory care units, mm-hmm. and of course, it's been it's been shown that that cannabis can can aid with with Alzheimer's yeah. and other other memory conditions. Yeah, so it seems logical to us to get buy-in from from the senior center, offer the senior center a chance to dispense our product to their their patients that have been medically approved, mm-hmm. and then ship products to 40 people at a time rather than have to influence them on a, on a one-by-one basis. Yeah. This argument, I think, can be made additionally for other sorts of institutions. And one of them I, I think is fascinating. That would be for the, for the issues of, of pain. Mm-hmm. So as you know, Many people consider cannabis to be an excellent alternative to to opioids, mm-hmm. and opioids clearly are useful. I think in the early parts of after operations yeah, of, of surgical, yeah. But after the first five days, seven days, is it really necessary? And do consumers really, really want an opioid prescription as a way to to mitigate their pain, a way to relieve their pain? And in fact, in in several states, including New York. Pennsylvania, and to a certain extent, Illinois, Mm -hmm. doctors are now allowed to prescribe medical cannabis instead of opioids. So we see that as a humongous opportunity. And being able to connect to to doctors, to cannabis-friendly healthcare professionals, to people that are parts of opioid support groups, even to folks that have had the same kinds of operations. 
is a way that we can reach a very, very targeted and motivated audience. So we're really looking at our distribution twofold, both individually through dispensaries, but also through what I'm calling a, what I'm calling an institutional approach. Yeah. And I think that's smart. I mean, I think a lot of people forget or fail to think through their channel strategy and, you know, based on their product, based on their positioning, what is the best way to actually reach, you know, reach your end customer, reach your client and and actually deliver product and service through. You know, I'm curious how it kind of sounds like that the nature of the product has helped guide guide you on some of these things because the nature that it's it's easy to apply yes that's that's a thank you for bringing that up yeah. i mean our active ingredient is something called thca yeah and t- interestingly thca is non-psychotropic okay so we're particularly appropriate for for a whole series of, of audiences that would like the health and wellness of benefit the health and wellness benefits of cannabis without the high and certainly that would include an older demographic 65 plus a younger demographic, 21 years of age and, and less. I mean, if your if your kid has got childhood epilepsy, yeah, exactly. Yeah, you'd love you'd love to be able to treat your kid with cannabis, but you certainly don't want your seven year old to get high. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, in the opioid um, the opioid example I gave you, the fact that we're non psychotropic and non addictive without side effects offers many positive advantages for that segment. So THCA is something that where we really want to be leaders, thought leaders. We'd like to own the narrative in THCA. And we think that it's a it's a non-understood cannabinoid. Yeah. And, and I think the, the whole, the tablet form, the fact that you can take on different flavors or you can kind of mask flavors and stuff is an interesting one too, because I think we're coming out of this culture of uh, kind of the pot culture and, you know, think people thinking about weed. And as you move to more of kind of a, a medical chemical approach to it that the world opens up. I mean, the, you know, the, I think the wellness space is, you know, a huge one where, you know, we're not talking about, we're, we're talking about what are the effects, physical, psychological that you want to have on people and no longer the actual plant, thinking about the plant material itself. And it just kind of opens the doors. And I think people really getting innovative around how the products they come up with, the delivery mechanisms. Talk to me a little bit more about the branding, because I think that, you know, there's kind of the product design, which is, you know, how how it's used and, and you know, the format and the, the physical form and things like that. Talk to me about some of the packaging and things like, like, how do you tell the story or how do you tie this the physical product into a narrative? We'd like it to be, we'd like our story to be clean and simple to understand. Mm-hmm. So all of our communications are going to reflect that. And of course, packaging does that as well. But our website, our investor materials, our partnership materials all reflect a, an attempt to be very clear, precise, and consistent. And I think that if one does that, it makes a brand grow faster and also makes a brand look larger than it is. But I would like to to just bring up one thing that, yeah. that you mentioned before. I mean, I think what's truly interesting about, about medical cannabis and actually about cannabis in general, it is truly a global kind of product. Yeah. And of course, in the United States, one has to manage on a state-by-state basis. We're also pursuing a strategy. We're, we're trying to pursue a partnership strategy with a Canadian firm. We're, we're actually in, in talks with a number of very large publicly held Canadian cannabis companies. And we think Canada represents a great opportunity, not because you can just produce in one place and, and then ship to every province, but I think almost more importantly, because Canada is going to be a great export center. Yeah. So, so the notion of being able to produce in one place and then send your product all over the world is is incredible. I mean, and the, the need for medical cannabis doesn't doesn't stop at a, a state or at a, a national border. Yeah. Uh, a, a mother in Germany that's got a kid with child epilepsy is going to have the same sort of need for a product as, as a mother in California. And because of the way communications work these days, the mother in Germany will actually be able to read about our product. Yeah. 
and will understand that we represent a we represent a treatment possibility yeah. that they they may maybe they may be unaware of yeah yeah and it's this kind of this modern age of being able to create demand on a global basis you know for products is people have information people can search for it people can find out yeah, you, you know, can, and then how do you how do you deliver is the question <laughs> well that's true well i mean in, in our case our we certainly want to be able to deliver in the united states but we are going to have to do it state by state based on current laws yeah but we think that we can really, really expand our, our global reach if we use Canada as a production center and as a place from which we can export. Yeah, exactly. I know the other one, too. I, I spoke to some folks down in Australia, and they sort of similar process. They're actually pretty squarely focused on the medical side of it. They have Australia has a fairly big industry for opioid, opioid production on a global basis. So they have actually the, the supply chain and the legal chains and, and stuff set up for doing opioids internationally. And they're now mirroring that and doing a cannabis-based one. It's just they're, they're taking a little while because of the, the federal legislation there. But, you know, it's interesting because I think that is that really is the sort of the next or the bigger market is the global market. And as these countries start to, you know, adopt cannabis as a, as a medical tool, it opens it up. And I think at some level, the U.S. companies are you know, unfortunately quite hamstrung because of the federal legislation and, and having to do things state by state and, and not being able to participate on the international market quite so much. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. Do you, do you have any sense? I'm, I was kind of curious to get people's take on what they've seen in terms of the state by state kind of adoption, the federal legislation. When you do your strategic planning and you're kind of mapping, what's your sense in terms of when this stuff might work at a federal level? Yeah, we, you know, we really don't know, but it's encouraging to see things like the Quinnipiac voter poll. And the most recent Quinnipiac voter poll showed that that 93% of all U.S. voters believe that medical cannabis should be legalized. Yeah. I mean, getting 93% of U.S. voters to agree on anything is <laughs> a miracle. Exactly. But um, we find that very, very encouraging. So yeah. I, I think that, that cannabis is, is going to become only more legal on a, on a state-by-state basis and hopefully on a, on a federal basis. And of course, when it does, it makes us, I think, a more interesting and a more valuable company. Yeah. In the interim, we can perfect our brand, we can perfect our product, our, our marketing techniques. And it's sort of odd to say that we can test in California because California does represent one eighth of the population of the country. Yeah. But that is where we're going to start. Yeah. And we think that the learnings that we, we get from California will be incredibly useful as we, you know, as we roll out throughout the country. I think one of the really fascinating aspects of this market, of the cannabis space right now, is because you have this federal legislation issue, uh, legality issue, you know, the big players, the pharmaceutical companies, people like that are not, you know, kind of don't get involved because they can't sort of taint their other businesses. Yes, they, so it creates this vacuum. Yet. Well, it yeah, creates a vacuum, yet, yeah. But, but we're, an, we're I, an opioid company, opioid manufacturing company. Yeah. And one of the biggest ones is about 10 miles south of where I'm, I'm yeah. sitting. And they want to be responsible in terms of dispensing their product. Yeah. I would think that they might want to look at medical cannabis sort of as phase two. Yeah. In other words, phase one is provide opioids for acute pain. And phase two is provide non-addictive yeah. cannabis as an alternative. Yeah. So I, 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 think, I don't think they have to degrade their, their core offering. Yeah. I think they just have to be true to what they're saying in the, you know, in the, in the public relations arena, that that opioids should be prescribed responsibly, yeah. and I believe they should be. And of course, I mentioned New York and, and California and Illinois. Apparently, in in the state of Oregon, doctors are not going to be able to prescribe opioids at all in 2019 to to medicate patients. Yeah. And in in the UK now, doctors are going to going to prescribe opioids. Can prescribe opioids and sorry, prescribe cannabis instead of opioids. So since 
Medicaid is a is a federally funded program. And since the government of England has national health care, mm-hmm. I guess it's just a matter of time before the state pays for for cannabis, yeah. which currently it's not doing. Yeah. Do you sense that, I mean, is this a bit of a game right now in terms of, you know, every, everyone's trying to do a little bit of a land grab, kind of carve out their niche, grow their business as big as possible. Once federal legislation gets passed, then big farmers are going to come in and just do a big roll up on all these things. Is this, I mean, is that kind of the... I, I don't know. I mean, I do think there's going to be a lot of acquisition in the space. Yeah. And I think that, I think that interesting, viable, useful brands are going to be targets. So we consider that to be a, a possibility in our future. Yeah. But right now, we have to continue to build a great product with a great team and do, you know, do interesting stuff. And I think that will make that will give us many more options in the years to come. In terms of where are you going with the product? I mean, where, where do you see your next kind of iterations of the product going? What are, what are some sure. of the things that you're looking at developing? Sure. Well, I mean, interestingly, we have uh, we have two PhDs in, in medicinal chemistry that are working on this product simultaneously. One of them is in California, and he's an expert, probably one of the world's leading experts on THCA. And then separately, we have a PhD in um, in Florida, mm-hmm. working on working on the product, and she's much more of an expert on on food and nutraceuticals. She actually has a background in food science. She worked for Kraft for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. So our delivery system could be used to deliver anything. I mean, we are working on a a protein product currently, but in theory, we could deliver more than in theory. In practice, we could deliver a a THC tablet, yeah, or we could deliver a CBD tablet. As a marketer and a brander, I would be adverse to doing that under our name. Yeah. Just because I want our product, Tab Relief, to stand for non-psychotropic THCA. Yeah. And I think if we were to have a variety of offerings, if we had THC, if we had CBD, if we had THCA, I think it would be incredibly confusing for yeah. consumers. So I'd like to own the THC narrative. That being said, we've already had interest from other companies to license yeah. our, our technology to deliver something other than THCA. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's interesting. Yeah. We've also had we've also had inquiries from folks to deliver other medications. For example, we've had inquiries to deliver AIDS medication. Yeah. And if we can provide a, a useful, interesting, convenient, portable way to deliver medication, mm-hmm. I think that only enhances the value of our, our overall brand and our company. Yeah. But I, I like the um, keeping the the brand and the positioning for your market clean and clear, so that you're not because it's easy to just start coming out with all these different products. And now, as a consumer, I'm like, well, what what do I go to you for? And and who are you serving me as yeah. a segment? Are you? Yeah, we want people to come to us for an effervescent tablet and non psychotropic THCA. Yeah. Excellent. Dean, this has been a pleasure. If people want to find out more about you, about the product, what's the best way to, to do that? Sure. Sure. So my my email is dean at tabbrands.com and our website is tabbrands.com. Awesome. So awesome. Um, we, we have a, a lot of information about uh, what we're doing, the science behind what we're doing, our team, our backgrounds, our progress. And we we be happy if, if people took a look because again we're you know we're a relatively early stage company yeah. and we'd love to talk to other folks that are in this space awesome and i'll make sure that the email address and the link to the website is on the show notes here so people can click through dean thank you again this has been a pleasure i've really enjoyed it great thank you i appreciate it you've been listening to thinking outside the bud with business coach bruce eckfeld to find a full list of podcast episodes Download the tools and worksheets and access other great content. Visit the website at thinkingoutsidethebud.com. And don't forget to sign up for the free newsletter 
at thinkingoutsidethebud.com forward slash newsletter. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.